Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Good morning, 11 a.m. How are we? Good, good. Uh, it is so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. Uh, if you're watching online, thank you for taking the time to join us, especially if you're new, either online or in person. I know it can be intimidating to check out the new place and show up to somewhere you don't know, or uh, even just give us an hour of your time online. So um, thank you for that. I really think this will be incredibly helpful for you no matter where you're at. Um, that's our hope. Um, honestly, in a couple of weeks, so my name is Bradley Hamilton, first of all. Um, if I haven't met you, I'm our family engagement pastor, so I oversee our kids and student programs. Uh, but I get this opportunity every now and then to come and speak to you guys. And uh, I'm so excited for this series that we're in. But really quick, I want to let you know, in two weeks, uh, we are starting another series called My Church. Um, and the reason we want to let you know about this is, one, just so you can kind of be in the loop on the things we're going to talk about, but also so you can be inviting if this topic or any topic we're going to talk about seems relevant to someone else that you can share with or that you want to bring with you. And so we're talking about a series called My Church, um, which is really around our hope and desire that church wouldn't just be a place that you attend, but it'd be a movement that you're part of. Um, and so really excited about that. So make sure you join us. Um, but for this morning, we are in part two of a series we started last week called Habits. And uh, the reason we're in this series, because for me, um, it's not because I'm a pro at habits or making big changes in life. Uh, in fact, sort of the opposite. I noticed, and I don't know if you've ever felt this in your life, but I noticed in mine that year after year, my New Year's Eve resolutions were just the same resolutions as the year before, right? They would just roll over year after year. And I, I didn't really feel like I was making any progress on them. And I don't know your goals. I don't know a lot of you personally, um, but I do know that I'm not alone in that because data shows that only 8% of New Year's Eve resolutions are actually, actually last past Valentine's Day, 8%. Okay? So that means that 92% of us are not making progress on the goals that we're setting. At least that was the camp that I found, I found myself in time over time. And so I just wanted to figure out what, what was the difference maker to this. I want to make my resolution, if you will, to figure out how do we move forward on resolutions? How do we actually make big changes in our lives? How do we set goals and move through things in life. And so um, as I began looking for me, um, I just did a ton of studying. And so there was um, a lot of psychology data we could look at. There were some New York Times bestsellers from some really smart people who had written on this topic. And so I did what I tend to do. I sort of nerded out on a topic and just read everything that I could read. And uh, what I really began to see was that this was incredibly helpful for me, um, but it was also very spiritual. And so um, a couple of people I want to talk to, maybe you're in the room or you're watching online and uh, you would maybe call yourself a skeptic. Like you have questions about faith, you're not sure sure about faith. Um, I want you to know that's, uh, that's totally okay. In fact, um, we've built a lot of this place with you in mind. Um, it is our hope that you can belong here, even if you never believe. And we just want to give you environments and places where you can investigate faith and you can ask big questions and you belong regardless of kind of where you're on in that faith journey. And so um, I think that for you, this is going to be a very helpful series because I'll let you in a little secret. A lot of what I'm going to share is not from the Bible. A lot of what I'm going to share is scientific data, it's psychological studies, but I think what I hope you'll see is that the Bible also talks about this, a lot of Christian authors talked about some of these concepts before science proved them to us. 
I think Jesus even mentioned a lot of these concepts before they were talked about in science. And so um, what I think it can do is even strengthen those of us in the room who are Christ followers. And I think for us, maybe it's even more important because a lot of your goals are probably spiritual goals. A lot of your goals are probably to maybe grow closer in your relationship with God or to figure out prayer or to know more about scripture or to lead your family spiritually. And those goals can't just keep rolling over. If we really want to move forward on the things that God has in our lives, it takes figuring out how do we actually make change. And so what we looked at week one was that the biggest contributing factor, this is data, the biggest contributing factor to you making a change in your life is not your family of origin and what they've always done. The biggest contributing factor is not where you are on your socioeconomic scale. That's not the biggest factor. And if you can make change in your life, the biggest factor wasn't a calendar or a special type of journal that you can fill out. The number one factor was what you think of yourself, was your identity. That was the number one contributing factor to the changes that you make in your life. And and here's why we showed this identity loop where we took a positive identity. Right, so if you have a, a, a good self view of who you are, a good um, positive view of who you are, you begin to make positive decisions because that's who you are. So, so Christ follows the room. If you can take what God says about you and what we believe he says in scripture and what Jesus confirmed is that, okay, he loves you. He's for you. He's behind you. You have a God who forgives you. He doesn't hold your mistakes against you. And so if you kind of step out knowing, hey, I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted already, you will begin to make decisions from that place. And then if you make a few good decisions over time, those, those positive decisions begin to be a positive habit. And this positive habit is just something you do. It becomes almost subconscious because you're just making these decisions out of who you are. And so you're not even realizing it anymore. You just have a positive habit. And then the crazy thing is that positive habit begins to reconfirm that positive identity. You go, well, of course I'm who I am because I always do these things. Because I'm doing them all the time, that's even more who I am. So your positive habits... And you just keep your positive identity growing. And so you, you stay in this loop of uh, positive identity. But the opposite is also true. If you have a negative identity and there was some uh, point along your life where you began to associate or label yourself with something negative, and it can be a lot of things. Maybe it was a mistake you made and this mistake you just thought you would never make. And it only happened once, but you just have become so labeled by it. And you feel like, you feel like it's all anyone else sees. You feel like it's all you see. If you were to be honest, you feel like it's all God sees and like it stands between how he feels about you. And so maybe this mistake has began to, to be your label. Or maybe it was what someone said about you somewhere along the way. Maybe it was what someone, something someone spoke over you or said about you for a long period of time in your life. They had a strong voice in your life. They continued to tell you um, what you were worth and what you were valued at. And uh, it wasn't true about you, but they said this. And so you began to hold on to that. And, and now that voice is still in your head years later. Maybe it wasn't even a long period of time. Maybe it was one comment that one person said on the playground and that one thing for whatever reason is still what you see when you look in the mirror. It was one label that you've grabbed a hold of and said, this is my negative identity. So that negative identity begins to cause negative decisions because you go, well, because I am this thing, because I'm too messed up, because I'll never get it together because I'm a bad Christian, a bad student, a bad parent, whatever it is, I'm gonna keep making these little decisions that are small, that don't seem to move the needle, that just are who I am. And over time, those little negative decisions begin to be a negative habit. And you look at your life and go, yeah, I just keep doing this thing. And now because you keep doing this negative habit, it reinforces your negative identity. They go, "Uh, of course I'm this thing because I always do this. And so what you found yourself stuck in, and maybe you even felt stuck, is because in some ways you are. You've let a negative identity begin to dictate everything else about you. It is the number one contributing factor into all the decisions that you make. 
And so last week I said, we've got to start there. We've got to figure out who are we truthfully and who are we trying to become? And so that's the two questions that I ask you to answer. And I have encouraged you to write them down, to, to spend some time thinking about them because I think they're incredibly clarifying to say, who am I truthfully? Not based off that one person's opinion, not based off that one social media comment that was two years ago that we can't forget about, not based off that mistake that we've made that even though we haven't made another one, we just keep making that our identity, not based off any of those, but who am I based on what God says, based on what the people who love me most say, based on what my track record of actual wins that we can focus on, not just the failures say, who am I really? And then who do I want to become? Because if you can look at who you want to become and reverse engineer your decisions behind that, it will be incredibly clarifying into what you need to do. Because when you know who you are, you know who you're becoming, it's very clear on what to do. And so that's where we got to start. So I, I encourage you, write those down. Uh, and so now this week, this is the more difficult task because now we actually have to talk about how do we begin to start making change? And the start is often the most difficult, isn't it? To actually start something brand new and to step out where we never have before, it's one of the most difficult things. In fact, data shows that most goals don't even really get started before they're dead. That we just give up, we throw in the towel. And I think there's a lot of different reasons why we do this. I think one of the biggest reasons is it because when we're starting, we begin to compare our start with someone else's finish. And we begin to look at other people who have been doing this for years, decades, and we don't know what went into their life. We don't know the different roads they had to travel to get there. All we do is look at where they ended up and they go, I could never be there. And it's not fair to you because you're just starting. You're just getting going and you're comparing yourself to people who maybe have been at this for an incredibly long time. But it's so easy to do, especially in today with social media, you decide, okay, I'm gonna work out and get healthy. And so you get on Instagram and look up some different workout routines. And everyone who's doing these videos look like they're just like chiseled from stone. Like they could be in a Marvel movie, right? And you're going, okay, I can never get there, right? I'm just trying to do like my first push up, And so I, because I can't save the universe in a movie, I just, I guess I'm gonna give up. And we do it in all kinds of areas. We wanna be a better parent. And we see all these parents who are like, you know, taking their kid to Disney World every weekend. And we're like, oh, we can't do that. So where do we start? Or you look at your friends who are in maybe better financial situations. You want to kind of get your budgeting in order. And so you meet with them and you hear about how they have four passive incomes and like three vacation homes. And you're like, I just, how do I get there? And you're not being fair to you because you're comparing your start with someone else's finish. And when we do that, we just see this gap that it's just too hard of a divide for us to cross. And so here's what I want to ask. Over the next 25 minutes, can we just set those aside? Don't think about the, yeah, but they, or, oh, I wish I had, and oh, if I had this, this would be so different. Okay, let's just sit those aside for a moment. Let's be fair to ourselves and not compare ourselves to someone else's finish. And let's just work on the start, okay? Can we do that? Next 24 minutes, let's work on the start. I wanna give you three simple things to start, very practical things to start that I hope can be helpful wherever you're at, whatever those goals are, spiritual, relational, with your health. Um, here's the first one. Start a self-discipline. Start a self-discipline. Now, right off the bat, I know this is a word that no one gets excited about. No one's like, yeah, we're talking about discipline this morning. Like that's just no one's um, composure. Dis discipline is not a word that we liked as a kid. It's not a word my toddler likes right now. It it's maybe one that we've run from as an adult and we've tried to get out of. And so why in the world would we want discipline? And I just want to let you know, if that's you, that's okay. That's fine. In fact, that's probably healthy. No one is super excited about discipline because discipline is choosing to do something that's an 
opposite action to your default, okay? It's choosing to go in an opposite direction than what is your natural default. Your brain is actually wired to choose the easiest route every time. Your brain, this is how you were built, it's how you were created. Your brain is wired to look at a course of options and want the path of least resistance, okay? So in a lot of ways, this serves us great because we look at options, we think, okay, what's the most comfortable for the least amount of work? That's what your brain does. It's, it's constantly making those, the, those decisions. What is the maximum enjoyment, satisfaction, and comfort that I can get for the least amount of work? That's what your brain's doing all the time. And it's wired that way. The problem is no area in life should actually be run that way. No important area of your life should be run this way. In fact, what your brain is doing is it's choosing short-term gratification and it's ignoring in many ways the long-term. Problem is, that's not great when it comes to your marriage. That's not great when it comes to your relationships. That's not great when it comes to your parenting. We can't afford in life, it's not great when it comes to our health. We can't afford in most areas of life to just focus on the short-term and the satisfaction and what's most comfortable and forget about the long-term and what's important in life. We can't do it. So in a lot of ways, we have to choose what's opposite of how our brain is wired to operate. We have to choose discipline. Discipline's the opposite. Discipline says, what's your long-term, right? Who am I becoming? And focus on that. And then it might mean that you make a short-term sacrifice. It might mean that you forego comfort or what's easiest, but that you are building into your life something long-term. Discipline is difficult as it is. It is the answer to how our brains are wired. Our default is not how we're truly meant to live. Science is showing us what Christian authors have been saying for a while. And in the book of Hebrews, um, there's debate around who wrote. A lot of people think Paul, but we don't know 100%. But what we do know is that they're writing to Christians who are trying to figure out, how do I take my faith and live it out? How do I actually do the things that God's called me to do? And uh, maybe you felt like that before, especially when it comes to your spiritual goals. But his answer to them is discipline. Maybe not what we would think when we're talking about spiritual goals, how to put this into place, but here's what he says. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it seems painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. I love that this is kind of what he compares it to because what he's hoping to get us to see is that we see this when it comes to physical strength. It's no like mystery that if you want a muscle that's weaker to be stronger, you do something that goes against its comfort. You do something that goes against its natural default, your body wired to laziness, wired to sit. So if you want to strengthen something, you do a, an intentional action that would do something opposite of its default to help it get stronger. The author's going, we see this in our physical strength, but what about your relationships? What if there was an area that's weaker that, that you could actually grow in, but it's going to take some discipline. What about your, your parenting? Maybe there's a spot that you're going, yeah, I just can't figure that out. And instead of just letting that become your identity, I'm just no good at that thing. What if you began to apply some discipline to an area that could grow? You can take your, your pick. What if about our finances? There's an area that's, that we're weak in. What if we began to put some discipline behind it? If we would choose intentional actions we might see these areas of our lives that we feel stuck in, that we feel can grow, begin to actually grow. But here's how Craig Rochelle would say it. And 
Um, this isn't a crazy encouraging statement, but he's a pastor and leader and um, one of just the most disciplined people you'll ever read about. But he says this, if you want what no one else has, do what no one else does. So in other words, if you have this vision of your future, if you want to get to a place, like who do I want to become? If you want to get to a place that not everyone's doing, it might take doing some things that not everyone else is doing. It might mean that you put discipline behind things and here's, this could characterize your disciplines. It might mean that they're not easy. It might mean that it takes intentional, difficult effort. If you're actually going to take me up on what I'm going to say this morning, again, you don't have to. You can walk on these doors, do nothing with what I say, that's fine. If you actually want to begin to step forward on some of these things and try them, it may mean that they are incredibly difficult. It may mean the discipline that you have to apply to your life is one that no one else is doing. It might mean that it's not common. It might mean for you that you have to make a budgeting decision that no one else in your family is making. It might mean that you have to decide where you go and how you act a little bit differently than all of the rest of your friend group. It might mean you have to set up your phone differently and wire your notifications differently. You might be called to do things that are completely uncommon and very difficult, but you are going to do it because no one else is doing it and you don't want to end up where everybody else is ending up. We have to make a conscious decision to do something opposite of our default. And so maybe for you, that discipline to start counseling, that you've been wrestling with these things in your life and you can't quite figure out why they keep erupting in these strange ways. And you've had this trauma maybe that you've been trying to fix and trying to heal, but, but you haven't talked to anyone about it. And so maybe your step is to begin talking and to take counseling. And, and that's incredibly difficult because you've never done that and your family's never done that. And you guys didn't talk about some of these things. And so how do I begin to talk about it to a stranger? And where do I find that? And how do I fill these things out? And it, it may be incredibly difficult and uncommon. Maybe no one else you know is doing it. But for you, if you want to get better in your health, if you want to fix what's going on, maybe that's a step that you need to take. It doesn't matter if anyone else is doing it. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe for you, it's getting in a group that you've never really had people around you and, and you realizing your life, you've just tended toward isolation. And maybe for you, there's some new things coming up that you're going, I, it's so difficult. It would be so hard to talk about. I don't know these people. I'm gonna go to a stranger's house and share my life. That seems so weird. And it's not super common. Like no other um, organization is asking you to get in a group of people and talk about your life. And yet the church does. And so that seems weird. It seems difficult, but maybe for you, it's exactly the uncommon move you need. Maybe for you, it's the thing that goes against your default that just might set you in a totally new direction for your life. What is that for you? What's that discipline? So once you figure out what is that self-discipline that I need to do, here's the second piece. And this is so vital to connecting with the first. Start small. Figure out a discipline based off who you want to become and start incredibly small. I think why 92% of our New Year's resolutions don't last is because they're just simply too big, right? We start off with these massive goals that we just can't attain. We, we see one picture of ourselves and we don't like how we look. And so we think, okay, I'm just going to get an eight pack by summer, right? And you're working with like a one pack currently. And it's too big of a goal. Or you look at, you know, you have the Tupperware dwarf all over and you're like, that's it. I'm going to be the most organized person in my whole family. The whole house is going to be reorganized this weekend. And it doesn't happen. That Tupperware drawer doesn't even move. We make these massive goals and it's so tough to keep them because, and this sounds really simple, they're just easier to fail at. 
They're so simple to feel at because they're somewhat impossible. They're somewhat unattainable. They're so massive that you feel like as soon as you begin to step out and don't do it perfectly, you give up. The problem is you are focusing on perfection instead of progress. When we make big overarching goals that are almost unattainable, we set out perfection as our status and we ignore the important progress that we need to make and that we are making. The problem is with with perfection uh, is that no one's perfect. No one. Even that person that you're like, they've got it all together. That post is paid for by an advertisement. They didn't post the failure. They only posted that perfection. It's not true for them either. But that's what we see and that's what we set toward. And as soon as we miss that standard, we fall right in back into this negative identity spiral to go, I'm always a failure. I always mess up. I'll never be in shape. I'll never have my house under organization. And we fall right back into the same loop that trapped us before because we've made our goal too big. And here's the other thing. Your progress matters. Your seemingly small, seemingly insignificant progress, it is so vital, it is so important, and it should be celebrated. Listen, when you took the step to fill out a counseling form on our website, that is a huge piece of progress because no one else is doing that. Everyone else is trying to just carry their trauma with them their whole life. And you've made a decision to begin to work through some of that. It's amazing. It's massive. And if you decided to just start working out here and there to do a few push-ups in the morning, like that's massive progress. You've decided to take a step that not everyone else is doing. When you in your faith journey has decided, hey, I'm just going to pray with my kids at night. That's not a small thing that you're doing. That is massive progress. It's something that no one else is doing, and it just might change generations forever. It's massive. But we tend to ignore that unseen progress because all we're shooting for is perfection. And time and time again, when we can't measure up to perfection, we just throw in the towel. This is why here at Centerpoint, we talk so much about next steps. Because our goal for you is not perfection. In fact, we don't even have a, a, a pace for your progress, okay? You progress at your own pace. Nothing in life, nothing in faith is a, a set pace. And maybe that's not what you've heard from another church or another Christian that sort of handed a, a theology to you that said, once you're in, in the church or once you have a seat, now here's a timeline for you to get your stuff together. Or here's a way that you need to figure all of your stuff out. And here's a checklist to do so. That is not how God works and that is not how we work. We would just want to build an environment to go, hey, let's take a next step. How can we help you in your next step, whatever that looks like for you? And so our hope would be that you get somewhere at some point and go, you know what? Because I just took these steps, I'm not where I want to be, but man, I'm not where I was. I'm not, I'm not perfect in my relationship with Jesus, but man, I'm so glad I started taking these steps because I am not where I started. I'm not perfect in my marriage or my relationships, but man, you should have seen me a year ago. And I, I'm not the parent that I that should be posting on Instagram as like the number one parent in the U.S. or whatever. But like, man, I've made some amazing progress. What if your view was the progress you're making over the perfection that you're never going to reach or that any of us are going to reach? And too often, especially when we view God, we think that God is interested in like these big, massive moves. God celebrates your progress too. God loves the small moves. In fact, uh, Zachariah says it this way. He says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices, celebrates, is excited about seeing the work begin. So you might feel like, man, if I just do these small things, like no one cares, it's not making progress, God doesn't care. That is so not true. 
God rejoices. He celebrates. He is so thrilled with the small progress that you're making that no one else is making. And that small progress will carry you somewhere that no one else is. And so we have to make the small decisions, the next steps. So here's what I want to ask. How small can you get your discipline? Whatever discipline you've decided on, okay, that's going to get me to who I want to become. Make that as small as you possibly can. There was a study um, done that was written about by Charles Duhigg in his book, Power of Habit, which is an incredible book um, that breaks down a lot of the psychology of how we do this. Um, but he talked about this study where they wanted to look at people who wanted to become runners. They wanted to be a runner, make that their identity. They want to go from not a runner to being a runner. Tried this a few times in my life. It's still on my resolution list. Not quite there. And that's what the gap they want to close. And so they looked at different goals and how they would set goals and then how they would accomplish different ones. And they had all these different types of goals. And the number one goal, the group that had this goal was that showed that the number one factor of becoming a runner was the goal of not running six miles a week, not running every day. Their goal was putting on their running shoes every day. Putting on their running shoes. That was their goal. And what happened was everyone who was putting on their running shoes, well, they didn't fail. Because that was easy. It was so small. All they had to do was just put on their shoes. So they kept up this identity. I put on my running shoes because I'm a runner. That's what I do. And I don't feel like I'm failing every day because it's such a small goal. I can accomplish that goal. And then it's crazy. They actually began to run because they moved forward on a small step. They felt like that's who I am. I can do this. And they would take another small step. How small can you get your discipline? So if you want to save, hey, you don't need to like save 50% of your income day one. But what, how could you just put a few dollars in? And maybe you just figure out the habit of doing that. Maybe you want to know scripture and understand God. That's a great goal, but maybe just spend five minutes in scripture. Maybe get a U version reading plan and just, do, just read like a couple of sentences every single day. If you set aside two minutes of your morning and you began to read scripture, what would that do at the end of a year? They seem small, they seem insignificant, but make them as small as possible to begin your discipline and move forward. And then lastly, and here's the third part. Start consistently. Start a discipline that's small and then do it consistently. I almost titled this, Don't Stop Starting, um, but that was too wordy. But, but here's, here's what it says in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. One small discipline is not going to change your life. One small decision might not alter your marriage. One small act might not change your health for the better. But small acts over time, done consistently, they begin to build. And those small acts over time do begin to move the needle in the direction that you've always wanted to go. They've just got to be done consistently. We had a marriage counselor tell us one time that a strong marriage is, is more like a sand bucket. And it starts off maybe empty and over time you're depositing sand into building this strong marriage. And so a lot of people think it's just a couple massive deposits, right? Your wedding is a success and under budget, so we're, we're doing great. We have a couple of, of great moments at the beginning. We take an amazing cruise and there's another piece dumped in there. And that's how a marriage is built. It's just these massive deposits over time. He said, that's not how a marriage is built. So a marriage is the small deposits. It's the text that's to have a great day. It's the compliment as they walked out the door. 
It's the, the choice not to lie and to build into integrity. It's again and again showing up and showing up and showing up. And over time, you begin to put a little deposit, a little deposit, a little deposit. And he goes, at the end of every day, if you've made multiple deposits into your marriage, that is so much more than one massive one once a year. And the same is true for every year of our life. Our, our health is not built by a couple of big things every now and then. Our spiritual health isn't built by just a couple of retreats, a couple of camps, a couple of things that, that we celebrate or read. It, it's the small, seemingly insignificant decisions over time. That's how everything important is built. James Clear, who was a psychologist behind the identity loop, he says it this way. Every action you take is a vote toward the type of person that you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. And so here's my thought. What if that small discipline you're thinking of, what if you just did it for a year? Where would you be? What if in your marriage, that one small thing you just continued to do consistently for the next year, where would your marriage be? Your relationship with your kids, if you just did that one thing for a year, where would it be in a year? And where would you be physically? Where would you be emotionally? Where would you be spiritually if that one small habit was just consistent throughout the year? I think you might end up with a place to go, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm maybe not where I want to be. I might still have a long way to go. There might be some more disciplines I need to put in place, but I am not where I was a year ago. And I have seen God do something over the last year just because I just continued to show up because I didn't give up because I started small and because I did small consistently. I have seen God move the needle on things that maybe even praying for him to move the needle on for years. We just got to start small. And so the new question I would ask this week, again, I would encourage you to write it down, to write down your answer even, but based on who I want to become, what is one small discipline that I need to start doing consistently? You've already decided here's who I want to become. Maybe that clarified some things along the way. And so now what is one small discipline, one self-discipline act that maybe goes against the norm? Maybe it's easy. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's not easy. Maybe it's not common, but it's just one small thing and you're going to do it consistently. What is that for you? I'll share mine. I'm trying just to be more um, vulnerable and when sharing from stage to a bunch of strangers. But um, I just, I've learned something I, I need to do more and it helps me even um, hold myself accountable to some of these. And so, so here's it for me, as hard as it is for me. Um, I looked at mine and when I filled out who I want to become, my answer actually surprised me. And maybe this has been your experiences is you took that challenge this week. Some of the things that you'll say you want said about you at the end of your life are not things you're pursuing at all. And some of the things that you are pursuing, you realize don't actually matter. And so there were several clarifying things to me as I began to, to think through my life and how different I want to lay some things out. And so one of those for me is I wrote in who I want to become that I want people around me to feel championed and encouraged. And I looked at my life and I realized I, I think that of so many people. I thought oh, so many people around me that I just think the world of them, I look up to them. I wish I could be them in so many ways. I, I see just kind of the adversity they've carried and just how they come out on the other side. And I'm so inspired by them. I, I feel so many people around me should just be so championed and so encouraged, but I'm not saying anything. I'm not actually doing it. 
And so it's great that I feel that and think that, but if I want people to say that about me at the end of my life, am I not telling people that, that I'm encouraged by them and that they should feel championed? And so I wanted to make that as small as possible. I want to encourage people. That's a great goal. How am I going to do that? I want to make that really, really little. And so for me, I had a couple different um, iterations along the way because some goals were just too big. I knew I wouldn't be able to do it. And so I've got it down to, to really small. And this is going to seem like so insignificant. You're going to go, wow, Bradley, you're really disciplined by this. But this is how small I had to make it. I'm deciding I'm just going to text because that's all I can manage to do. I'm going to text one person a week, one encouraging thing. One person in my life, one encouraging thing. That's where I'm going to start. Now, at the end of this year, am I going to stand there and go, now everyone will say this about my life? Probably not. But I'll make so much more progress than if I didn't. And I might get to the end of the year and go, I've gotten somewhere. And there are now a wake of people who hear the encouraging things I feel and see in them, and now they've heard it. And so, yeah, I might not be where I want to be. But I'm going to be somewhere that I'm not currently. It's one small decision done consistently over time. What is that for you? And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to ask, would you come back next week? Because and next week, I think, is my, my favorite of the three parts. Next week, what I want to do is say, how do we get this discipline and make it a habit? And habits are often subconscious. Okay, wouldn't it be great if our good decisions, our disciplines we want to do, were subconscious, just sort of happened? That's what we're going to talk about. And then also, how do we make some habits that are negative habits that we do subconsciously and don't even realize? How do we fix those and remove those so that maybe uh, we end up better where we want to be at the end of a year? And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. I'm very excited for it. I hope you'll join us. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get going. All right? God, I thank you so much for everyone in this room. I thank you for the positive identities that you speak over us. God, that we are loved, that you are for us, that it's not coincidence that we're even here and that you're speaking to us in this moment. God, I pray you would help us do the hard work, the work that no one else is doing, the work that feels so uncomfortable and so just against everything we're wired to do, but that we would be able to do that in your strength and know that we are making progress, that you are at work, that you are moving. And God, I pray that at another year, we stand at the end of that year and go, you know what? I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I am not where I was. Be with us as we do that this week. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.